It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everybody. It is episode number 108, I believe, Mike. Yep. 108? Yeah, 108. And uh, it's that uh, special time of the year. We're, we're recording a day earlier than usual. We're right in the middle of the Martin Luther King weekend. It's that special time of the year where teams are able to pad the win totals in tournaments no one either knows about or cares to. While wearing out their players in the middle of the heart of the season with four or five games in three or four days. While also barely recognizing, if at all, the name behind the holiday weekend. It's a magical time. Uh, there's oh, my, I, wow. I, I, <laughs> I guess that's my, I'll do a three takes. There's my annual, <laughs> annual Martin Luther King tournament weekend take. Is Wabonzi Valley playing three games today? <laughs> I don't, I just, I don't know. Man. I do it every year. I know I whine and complain, but it's, I think I saw your, you tweeted or, on your on your um, notebook or something, you didn't realize you were at a semifinal game or something. Oh yeah, I was sitting there with Jack Gleason, and I looked over at him and I said, "What, what like part of the tournament is this?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "It's a semifinal." And then I felt really bad <laughs> that I didn't know that, and I guess I just watched the other semi because I was there for the Cary Grove game too. So I went and watched both semis at the Lake Zurich Martin Luther King tournament, and didn't realize until halfway through the second. A microcosm, right? Right there of my uh, beef with. I mean, I. It how, is. How could it be the semis? It, the weekend just started, but then Jack told me they'd been playing it like previously, like the last couple weeks. <laughs> so. Yeah, I. I, I was confused. I, I, I don't know if they're gonna be able to really stand the test of time with the way the schedule rules are now. Where everybody, if everybody, you have to play or you can play 31 games, and it used to be you could kind of pack your schedule with more games if you played in more tournaments, and so you could get some more games in that way. But now, well, and I think we're seeing a little bit, Mike, with the quality. Um, I mean, I complained th- three years ago when there was actually some some decent stuff going on. Uh, now it's just kind of just hodgepodge thrown together, but. Anyway, um, the plan yeah, for so. this uh, episode, we're going to do, um, we got a very small mailbag because I didn't ask for questions and it's Sunday, but a couple did come in. So we're going to hit those. Then I think we're, we'll do our two takes and then we're going to talk about some teams we haven't talked about that are good. There's this entire vat of teams out there that are just underneath that maybe top 30 in the area. And uh, we're going to kind of get into them. I think we're up to, I don't know, we got 10 or so, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's um, start with these questions. First one up is from Marty Machazic. He says, uh, oh, he talks about the North Lawndale stuff. Oh, boy, I forgot about that. Um, and two questions. Do you know if Orr has ever considered playing up in 3A? I, I don't know for sure. I talk to a lot of people around Orr. No one's ever mentioned it to me. They seem quite pleased with their 2A. I think they're more likely to go to 1A and be okay with that than they are to go up to 3A if I was a betting man. Yeah, winning state titles will do that to you. 
Uh, next up, uh, why hasn't anyone submitted a proposal to bring the state tournament to Chicago, even though it appears there is fan support for the move? It's a good question. It's something that I, I do feel like I haven't done the proper legwork on this, and it's a story I need to write, one of those on the list that I just haven't. I don't know anybody at Trust, and I haven't called to find out. You know, the United Center people are kind of easy to talk to. I could get an answer from them. Um but the proposal, wouldn't it have to be almost, if it's Chicago, a joint effort yeah. between well, that's literally the, the Chicago yes. and the arena? I mean, I have talked to the Sears Center people, including yeah. very, very recently. Yeah. And, well, no, uh, but they have information that makes it I gotcha. I interesting just... for everybody. This thing's not going to be profitable for any arena. No. I, so that's I, the problem. And and United Center is not realistic. So they would have to. It would have to be the thing where the city wanted it. And right. you know there were some questions about why Rockford didn't give it a shot because that's a city that could use that economic infusion. You know, even though the arena is not going to make money, everybody else will. You know, so the city brings in because it takes. I mean, the last figure I heard, the last hard figure was these towns. Peoria is paying seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to the IHSA to have this thing. I mean, that's just flat cash that they're getting. For, and for those communities, it's different than Chicago, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I just, the logic, if it were to go, this is another podcast topic, if it were to go Chicago, I, the only logical place is Wintrust Arena. It really is to me. I mean, it's a flashy new arena, to a degree flashy, I guess. Um, there's hotels right there joining the, the arena for teams to stay in. Uh, you know, it's a somewhat walkable kind of neighborhood, I guess. It's gotten uh, a lot more just in the yeah. last year. Right. I mean, we were there. I don't know if I, you and I talked about it or something. There's like two hotels popped up that I didn't even realize in the last month, few months. So, yeah, I, I just, but again, I don't know why we're talking about something that's never going to happen in the near future because it's down to Champagne and Peoria. And my bet's on Champagne. Get into that a little bit. That's one of my takes. But yeah, I don't know why. Um, I mean, I'll always dream about it at the United Center. I think that'd be awesome. But yeah, it would take a lot of the city would have the city of Chicago would want it for some reason. And right now don't think they do um next up from jose valadez who i believe is a rookie new new question uh, guy here he says where does tom kleinschmidt rate in the list of best coaches in the last decade what do you attribute to the resurgence of what was once the gordon tech basketball powerhouse what do you think joe well i mean from a coaching perspective flat out tom kleinschmidt's a terrific coach he's you know ever since he got into it and began he he has he pays attention to detail, and he is he is not a know-it-all. He is somebody who's going to go out seek, you know, help, advice, talking the game, breaking things down, and 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 again back to the detail part of it with other coaches too. And and I think that is the biggest reason. And name recognition I think helps uh, with Tom Kleinschmidt, and the talent level is. <laughs> Clearly, you know, Perry Collins kind of started off there when he arrived as a freshman and it has kind of taken off and they've become a legitimate top 25 program and they broke through last year, obviously, with their state tournament run and get into Peoria. 
So now I just think it's kind of building and building, and they got a good young group that's that's going to be there for a while. And what's really exciting from a DePaul prep standpoint is, I mean, I don't, I can't attribute all of this to basketball success, of course, but the freshman numbers that they had come in were huge, like school saving. DePaul prep is like going to be a success now and it's going to survive they had plans up at the shootout for their big um addition to the school they're going to build new athletic facilities i mean it went from a school that was in trouble of closing frankly to Mm -hmm. a place that's massively successful Uh, the football team also had um you know that kid went to michigan state roquan williams he also played basketball right yeah, defensive lineman. Yeah, um, who's doing well. So, yeah, things are and, – and, you know, you, but the thing is you do have to tie it all to when Tom Kleinschmidt showed up. You know what I mean? It seems like things really turned around. Um, well, he's 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 clearly one of the better coaches in, you know, high school basketball. I mean, he's proven that. Uh, I watch his teams. You, you see it. Uh, there's the discipline. There's, there's just so much that goes into why they're winning. And, yes, it's talent, but, um, you know, he has his – you know, fingerprints all over that thing. Exciting. It's, you know, it's a, it was a hole to me, like in our basketball world, like a North side Catholic school power mm-hmm. was really something that we'd lost um, completely. So it's, it's really nice to have them there. It's just something we, we desperately needed. Um, all right. Two takes. You want to start us off, Joe? Yeah. Uh, my first one is uh, it's on the war on the shore. I spent the day there yesterday. It was at New Trier this year. The games were terrific. Uh, I, you know, I've gone on and off for all ten years that they've had it, and I, I loved the geographical representation. If, if anybody worn the shore, it's always New Trier, Evanston, and Loyola Academy uh, bringing in three teams that they play. And this year they had three South Suburban teams: Home and Flossmoor, Hillcrest, and Oak Lawn. And it, I think it's really cool for an opportunity for teams and fans that don't see a lot of each other during the season to kind of come together, in this case, South Suburbs versus North Suburbs. Atmosphere was very good. They had good crowd. Loyola and Evanston uh, both had strong showings. You know, Nutrier obviously is the home school. And in a, in a gym, if anybody's been at Nutrier, it's a gym that a little quirky, very loud, echoey uh but you know both Lyle and Evanston had these come from behind runs where the crowd it's energetic into it so that was really good but my other take or part not my second take but part of this one too Mike is in this day where the sport has become high school basketball I'm talking has become such a money-making venture sadly you see it with AAU events and some of these high-profile shootouts that are and even some of the holiday tournaments that we've talked about provides west just constantly cash grabbing, right? The War on the Shore has been a 10-year event where all the money made goes to a charity or a, a, the Danny Did Foundation. And just a real quick synopsis, the Danny Did Foundation was founded by Mike and Marianne Stanton of Chicago, whose son Danny passed away uh, tragically uh, right before his fifth birthday to epilepsy, a, a sudden unexpected death in ep- epilepsy. And, and the foundation came about uh, the name of that from the last line of his obituary, and I'm doing all this research over the weekend because I just kind of kind of dug into a little bit. And his his dad had written one that said, "Please go enjoy your life." Danny did, thus the Danny did Foundation. The foundation, along with the war on the shore, this shootout, has helped create awareness. Uh, which, when I took time, like I said, to dig a little deeper, as a result of this event, 
doing his job, uh, I, I realized things I never did, which I had no idea, Mike, that one in 26 Americans are diagnosed with epilepsy in their lifetime. So I, I had no clue. But the foundation is, you know, it's, it's funded various things, uh, including these seizure alerting devices for families across all 50 states and 13 different countries. Uh, and, and, and through the shootout, it's allowed the Danny Did Foundation to educate uh, 17, we counted them up, 17 different communities, school communities have come into the shootout who get educated during the time there, uh, during the 10 years of War on the Shore. They have a bake sale with donations. It's it's really cool. So overall, the War on the Shore does a great job of running the event, but also kind of coming together for a terrific cause, which today is the exception rather than the norm. And I, I just thought they really deserved, you know, uh, some things that we kind of look past uh, give some credit where credit's due. Yeah, I think I saw on Twitter the it's going to be Loyola next year. I know they rotate it. But. Yeah, they rotate it every year between those three schools. And um, and this year the games they really all three games. Uh, I enjoyed all three of them. They were all it was they were all similar that they all had big runs and come from behinds wins and, and games and things like that. So it was it was a great day of basketball. Um, it's weird. High school basketball and epilepsy have always been kind of tied in my mind. Uh, Gary Bell. The, you know, the big Joey West star, mm-hmm. um, he actually had a seizure um, during a game uh, that I was at. I don't remember if he was mm. a freshman or sophomore year, but he fell to the ground after he fell hard. It was after like trying to dunk or whatever and had a seizure um, from a sold out packed gym. He didn't come back that year. It kind of cost us our playoff run. But um, yeah, so it's kind of always been <laughs> tied there in the same things. But yeah, it's definitely more common than uh, most people would ever realize. Um my first take is going to be on the Thornton Wildcats, who um been on my case a lot this year. Um, Still? Probably, or just cooled off? I haven't heard much lately, but I'd imagine still. Um, they'll. Pro- I, I have not done the rankings yet. They're going to bump up, um, I would guess, but that's not... And I'm not going to say I wasn't a believer. I wasn't sure, um, and they didn't have the resume to be very high. They still are kind of lacking the resume to be top three, maybe. I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't decided yet. But, but this is more about what I saw on against HF on Tuesday. I mean, it's what seven? It was seventeen to two or seventeen to five. HF comes out on fire. Ty Streets picks up a technical. We notice that uh, Brandon Hall is limping <laughs> noticeably on the floor, and it's like. All right, this thing's <laughs> this thing's over. <laughs> Streets has got to sit the whole time. It's all falling apart. From then on, the Thornton dominated them. Brandon Hall only ended up with two points. He had some rebounds. He did some work, and he was out there the whole time doing his best. There's not a ton of depth on Thornton, and there's not a bunch of guys that are going to play college basketball. DJ Williams is a complete monster. He did absolutely everything they needed. And by the end, you know, it was one of those games I thought maybe HF was going to mount that comeback. Everybody does, you know, have their run. Basketball's a game of runs. You know, we hear that all the time. This was not, there was no run. (laughs) There was nothing there. It literally seemed like HF wanted to leave (laughs) midway through the fourth quarter. They were beaten that soundly. If that game had gone on for another 10 minutes, I'm not sure what would have, it was absolute domination. I have not seen a team this season be so much like, okay, we've had enough. 
we can't handle you anymore. And that's what happened to a really one of our best high school basketball teams, HF, in that Thornton gym. Now, I don't want to get overly excited about it. Thornton still lacks something very important in all basketball, a meaningful road win. You know, they have not proven that. That's crucial. And we're in almost late January, and they don't have that meaningful road win. So that's a problem for their resume and for thinking about them in 4A, too. They need. They still have a lot to prove. But what I saw on Tuesday night was really impressive. This team rebounds like absolute madmen. DJ Williams does everything you could possibly need. He's hitting NBA threes. Just out of nowhere. He's not even a great three-point shooter. Um, it, it was really impressive. They have that intangible chemistry thing going on, you know, that we've seen from maybe Curie's a good example this year even, you know, and last year. This team, they can take care of the ball. They rebound. DJ Williams does what you need, and then he shuts down the star. What he did to RJ Ogum, what he he did a really good job in Christian Shoemate before. You know, Ty Streets has mentioned how he's done it in the EYBL to some of the best players in the country. You know, I, I was very impressed with Thornton. They're going to get a chance on Tuesday. They're going to be at Kankakee, which is a tough place to play. That's a good team. So we'll learn a lot more on Tuesday. Tuesday's a pretty good schedule, but I think I'll probably head there. But it was it was, it was an interesting game on Tuesday. And then, and then at Bloom, too, later. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I just think Thornton's a team that has to rely so heavily on their their strengths because, like you said, they're not this overly talented team. They have talent, no question, but the things that their makeup, that, that chemistry and that togetherness and how hard they play and compete just kind of trumps everything else. And But it just has to be running at all, on all cylinders all the time. And, and it has, and that's to Tyke Streets' credit. So, yeah, I mean, because home at Flossmoor looked very good yesterday. They came out, hit 11 threes against, you know, a, a good defensive team in Loyola, and HF looked great. Uh, so for Thornton to take care of them the way you said they did, uh, that's big. Uh, my second take is kind of a look ahead. Every year there's just games you you look forward to, circle on the calendar, and full disclosure, uh, you know, the, the teams and matchups that are put together, the, the shootout at when sides collide at East at Glenbard East this weekend is my doing. So I'm just saying that ahead of time. But that being said, the Bloom Evanson game right now to me is the one game I think I am most looking forward to when, when you know, when you're looking at matchups and the calendar and what's ahead than I have all season long. And up to this point in the regular season. And it, it's kind of a mixture of multiple things. But the style they both play with, how, how they match up with one another, uh, the talent they possess, yes, but their style and how they play. They play fast. They play fun. Uh, you have an unbeaten team in Evanston that with two more wins this week, which won't be easy to play Zion Benton and new, uh, recharged New Trier team before the shootout on Saturday. But they, if they win those two, they would be 20 and 0 coming in with this big time matchup with Bloom which was our pre preseason everybody's preseason number 1 five division 1 players but you know this is a fun to watch Evanston team that plays a fast exciting share the wealth brand of basketball that was on full display yesterday uh, when I took well, at the war on the shore and and then a Bloom team that began like I said you know with such high hopes 
that D, that Division One talent, dynamic athleticism, uh, and another truly fun team to watch. I, I'm just really excited about this matchup, and and I think it'd be even more interesting if Emerson did come in unbeaten, and and Bloom is just fired up for you know to, to kind of live up and play on a big stage and and, and beat a team that's. I think are they number two in your rankings right now, Mike Evanston? Yes, or three? They are. Yeah. They are yeah. Two, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of circle that on my mind as being a game that, as a fan, obviously we love covering games, but just as a fan, I, I think that's going to be a highly entertaining game with the way they both play. Totally agree, and I love the fact that it's at four o'clock, <laughs> so I can thoroughly enjoy it, and not be rushed to get the story. Oh yeah, the get the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that makes it even better. Uh, it's going to be a great day. We'll get into that whole schedule at Glenbard East out there. It's uh, all four games are looking good. Um, my second take is on the news from this week. Um, sometimes we kind of seem to neglect the news on the podcast, and I know people like hearing about it, but. Um, the IHSA officially has revealed the hosts. They're the, the cities that did send proposals in to host the boys' basketball state finals. It is only Peoria, the Civic Center, and Champaign, the State Farm Center. Nothing from Rockford, nothing from the Sears Center, nothing from, which to me was surprising, um, Bloomington Normal. They did not bid for the boys' tournament, which. I had they've s- never seemed to want it, though. Yeah, that's Do you what, know what I, I mean. I wondered. Didn't like they I just? They went in last time, didn't they? I don't think they did. Okay, but I could be wrong. Yeah, somebody on Twitter mentioned, "Oh, it's too hard for you know Illinois State to have two weekends taken." Well, that's what has happened at Carver. Or no, it would be three, wouldn't it? No, no, it'd just be two still if they did the girls and boys. Well, not if they did. Well, in the new format in two years, yeah, yeah, it would just be right. two. Right. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I don't know. Um, I have not heard anything from them. But so I put up a poll on Twitter and I kind of felt like Champagne was going to win, but I had no idea the landslide that would happen. Uh, 2000, really? No, not to this. Almost any poll you do on Twitter, you don't yeah, see. Yeah, I just, the I just thought like when you put it out there, I thought all the Illinois fans that follow high school basketball for one. The general Illinois fan. I mean, you know what I mean? They just, boom. Yeah, they want Most, they most of them champagne. have unfollowed me, Joe. <laughs> so, <laughs> my uh, Illinois uh, crowd is not what it used to be. Um, but yeah, out of the 2,266 votes, 77% for Champagne, 23% Peoria. Um, two things on this. Um, the IHSA pays attention. <laughs> to my polls. I know this well. And why wouldn't you? You know, it's like free marketing advice um, to your hardcore from your hardcore fans. Two. Now, this is what I was thinking about. And I got I'm interested to hear your take on this, Joe. When in that same announcement, the IHSA said that they will make a decision at its board meeting on April 21st. Now, at first, that just annoyed me because it was during my vacation and I'm going to be gone. But but then I got to actually thinking about it. That's not what they did last time. Last time they announced it in Peoria mm-hmm. at the state tournament with the guy from Caterpillar that gave them all the money sitting right next to him. Now, mm-hmm. doesn't it seem like if you were going to Champaign, you sure wouldn't be announcing that in Peoria, would you? No. And, and, and I, don't, staying, I don't, I don't, I don't, and they can't be doing much legwork between March 21st and April 21st. Exactly. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, 
I mean, they don't need to do any legwork. They've already toured it both. You know, they know it's not like before they did go to see the Sears Center and some others. So yeah, I, that's, that's kind of my point. Yeah, like, there's not going to yeah. be done in that month. So to me, it seems like if they were going to stay in, you know, this is just me, you know, guessing here. But if you're going to stay in Peoria, I feel like we'd it would be announced in Peoria. And so it's interesting that they're not going to do that. Um, I, I mean, I, I have no reason to believe. Or I, I just don't you think they know? Yeah, th- that's I what mean, I think this says to me. Yes. I mean, or they had an idea what they were going to. I mean, I always thought if as long as Champagne was serious about it and they put forth their, you know, best foot forward, they were going to get it just because. I, just because I mean it, it has stagnated. It's just we've talked about it over and over again. And, and again, I'm not trying to pick on Peoria. It's just I love the setup in Peoria. The setup, I love that the hotels and the 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 arena are walkable. I love that. Well, there's no restaurants anymore, but um, I, but it just it's it just feels like it's run its course, and that money. Caterpillar, all of that is just what's kept it there with this last go around. Uh, but now it's a matter of trying to save the, not save the sport, but save the event. And Champagne, new arena, they've got some new hotels. Uh, so it, it just makes sense. And if, there's a history there. There's a long, long history in Champagne. It's it not makes- like you're going somewhere new. Exactly. In, in a way, aren't we kind of fortunate? That champagne wants it right now. You know what I For mean? For sure. I mean, you think about it. There's only two that submitted. I mean, <laughs> like, it's somewhat sad. You oh, know? To me, it's super sad that nobody and, else. Yeah, I agree. And that, in that, like, if they didn't submit anything and Peoria's there, I don't know. It's <laughs> what just, if it was only Peoria. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah and, no, it's, I don't know. I, I, the whole thing's. As a person has just gone every year as a kid from 1981 on as a kid and then as an adult and then this obviously 20-some years of doing this. And I've just – again, we've talked so much in the podcast about this topic over the years and we've written about it. And I was was the one kicking and screaming when they left Champagne to begin with. I hate Peoria. I'm not going to Peoria. I spent a year, two, three years there, and I loved it. And I changed my opinion, my mind. I wrote and said, look, I was wrong. And I admitted I was wrong because it was awesome. It was li- It was alive from, not, what was it, 96 they went there, Mike? I believe so, yes. yeah. From 96 through, I don't know exactly, 2010 tops, maybe 2008, somewhere in there, it, it was booming. I mean, it was, it, it was, was called, it was called 2008, the recession. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that, that I, I just, Peoria hard. Yeah. I, I, but I mean, and, and, but even the fans going and the energy, it was great. So, and I'm going to call it now just as I see it and it needs to be moved. Uh, and champagne, well, it's not just a logical spot. It's the only choice. So because of the circumstances, and, uh, so I, I, I will be shocked. Oh, you'll be shocked if it's I'll stayed. be shocked Even if, it's, better. if it's not. Yeah. I, I just realized, well, Joe, 77 years the tournament was in pure or in Champagne, and it got 77% of the vote in the poll. Oh. 
Well, and the same thing happened in Champagne. I mean, it was starting to stagnate and yeah. debt and and the whole gouging of hotels. We went through all that. I mean, the hotels right now are are. I mean, I don't know if you can say gouging is the right word, but it's close to it in Peoria. Oh yeah, yeah. I've started staying across the river. Yeah. So I. Anyway. It should be interesting to see. And as much as we get sick of talking about it, people love it, Joe. It's all they want to talk about. It's all they want to talk and read about this more than they want to actually go to high school basketball games. I would say state <laughs> tournament sad. sites, yeah. uh, state tournament format, four classes, oh, yes. and transfers <laughs> oh, yes. to a degree. Four classes, that'll be fun. I should do my poll. I start asking sophomore basketball players if they have any idea about two-class basketball. Right. Um, they will have no clue. All right, so we're going to get into now some of the best. Wait, did you do your two takes? Yes. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're uh, ready we're, to roll. We're, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was my, that last one was so long, I lost all train of thought. Um, the best teams that we have not talked about much. We got a, a bunch of them here. We're going to start out with the team I desperately wanted to see on Friday, but snow deadlines for the Sun-Times ruined that for me. Uh, Buffalo Grove was at Rolling Meadows in, for a big, big ball game. You know, I have seen you – know, I saw Cam Craft in Buffalo Grove last year, so I have not seen them yet this season. They are 16-4, and four, and I think not only does Buffalo Grove kind of rank up there with teams we should talk more about, but Cam Craft as a player, you know, is somebody that – uh, let's just admit it. If he was in the South suburbs or the city and doing what he is as a sophomore, there'd be a lot more people talking about him. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're fresh off a big win over Rolling Meadows. They're first place, in the mid suburban league East. I actually had them very high in my preseason rankings and one of the potential breakout teams in the preseason, you know, they're not going to wow you. Uh, I've seen them. Uh, Cam craft is, is a special score. You know, he's a 20-plus point-per-game guy. Uh, Matt Brunelli, a name no one knows, but, I mean, he's been huge of late. I I wrote about him last week. He had a school record 10 three-pointers in a game uh, last week, 30-some points, hit five more the next game. You know, they're they're still looking for a marquee win, though. They, You know, they've lost a a very good Cary Grove team. They lost to Glenbrook South. But, I mean, outside of – Stevenson and Mundelein in their sectional, you know, Buffalo Grove is going to be a, probably a three, four, five seed. So, you know, shot at winner regional and, and, and advancing. And, and again, like you said, Cam Kraft is one of my top 10 uh, players in the sophomore class in that group. He's a six, six, five wing score. So uh, yeah, I, I, you know, they're going to win 20 plus games and, and, Likely be a top four seed in the sectional. Do we need to um, change that terminology? Like winning twenty games used to mean a lot. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I think it's still a benchmark. I still think you got to call it. But you know, we I actually was talking about with some people last night uh, about the old schedules for years and years and years. It was uh, twenty five maximum mm-hmm. with some great, you know, for years, decades. I'm talking that was the maximum you could play in the regular season. Now we're up to thirty one. So, and then our cushiony MLK weekend games, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I mean, what are you going to, like 23 is the magic number? 24, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we, I mean, you're still, 20 wins is still, 
no, it's not what it meant. Just as regionals aren't quite what they meant. Um, but that's just the nature of it goes. Yeah. I, yeah. We'll have to think about that one. Buffalo Grove out of all these teams to finish on them it, that we're going to talk about is one of the closer ones to the super 25, because I like, you know, you mentioned the Cary Grove and Glenbrook South losses, the ranked teams. The other two are to Fremd and Naperville central. So those and are, they're all close. Exactly. Well, except central handed them a pretty good loss. I was at that game. The, uh, but they played Glenbrook South tough. Um, they played Cary Grove, I believe, pretty tough. Those are four good, you know, nothing to be ashamed of there. And But, yeah, the wins, it's Zion Benton, Prospect, Barrington, and Rolling Meadows are their best wins. So we need to call some more of those to get um, the Bison into the, the rankings. Next up, uh, let's uh, Naperville Central, 14-3. and three. They've got a D1 big man. And the only, those only losses are to Wabonzi Valley, DeKalb, and Hinsdale South. That's pretty rock solid. Rock solid. Again, another team kind of lacking that that marquee win. win. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately, last time I saw, I've seen them twice, I saw them play uh, Buffalo Grove. <laughs> I saw them play... Um, Niqua, was it? Uh, Wabonzi Valley, oh, okay. which... Killed them. Yeah, drilled yeah. them. But, no, I mean, they've, they've, they've been built on you know, Chris Conway, the big kid, going to Oakland. And Cameron Doherty, a Ivy League bound uh, water polo player. <laughs> Those two guys have been varsity for three years. Um, they're the backbone. It's a team that is in a, you know, a conference that's balanced. It's in a sectional that's not real good. So you could be talking about Naperville Central making a run. Uh, that's a bad sectional at Edison Trail, and they are in it. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> just calling it as it is, but uh, yeah. So, but they off to a great start with some veterans and DVC. You know, a little better than expected, right? Though I, I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the recharged barbs of yeah, Decalb have yeah. kind of set the tone, and then Wabansi's. I mean, look at the records. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I've always. I'm not going to say I've always been the kindest to DuPage Valley basketball, but this is a good year for them. Um, for sure. But we're not going to talk about DeKalb because we talked about them last week, but they're up to 15 consecutive wins. Yeah. And I, I you know, it wasn't, you know, your opening night, you're, you know, I was at the Morgan Park uh, young game and, yeah. and DeKalb lost to Oswego, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, I, the, it's just you don't pay attention. Like I pay attention. But I sound like an idiot. I, I do pay attention, but when you're watching a team at Thanksgiving, I, I guess I wouldn't. When I saw DeKalb, I wouldn't have said, "Okay, yeah, this is the team that could be 17 and three after 20 games." Yeah. But they, they've gone out and done it and look good doing it with with. I mean, they're they're drilling teams, Mike. Yeah, they they might be getting in the rankings today with the 15 consecutive wins. I haven't you know looked at everything yet, but that that's a lot of consecutive wins. I mean, yeah, and I mean they they've beaten a lot of teams bad. Uh, again, they're they're lacking your other than that Wabansi Valley win, you know that which is a very good win, no question. Um, Let's. We um, end up talking about DeKalb anyway. There you <laughs> go. Um, next up, Catholic going over the Catholic League, which you know we have not talked a ton of Catholic League hoops this year. Um, a lot of the regular, you know, star teams have not kind of been stars this year. But Brother Rice is creeping up on it. They're fourteen and six. Um, you know, six is a, a decent amount of wins, but none of them are, are, are too bad. They lost to Mount Carmel, which is probably the worst one. But Mount Carmel's been 
getting a little better here recently. Uh, Wheaton North, Bolingbrook, Bennett, Joliet West, and Lincoln Way Central. And they have some nice wins. St. Rita, Glenbard East, Pats, RB, Leo, and a good Richards team we're going to talk about later. Um, the only name anybody really knows that's back is DeAndre Hagan. And Joseph, you said he missed... Um... Well, he, he played, you know, I saw he had like two shot attempts in the Wheaton North game, okay. I, I believe so. And then no numbers to go with it in the box score. So I just assumed he either got hurt or sick or something, did not finish that game. But, you know, you're going to get... A well-coached Bobby Frazier, yeah. I, he's a terrific young coach. Uh, I, I've written about it in the past with some of these really good teams the last couple of years with Marquise Kennedy. They lost a ton from last year. And, you know, Luke Moustakas is a, a big who can stretch the floor. They've got some shooters and Colin Campbell and Connor Glennon and Rico Powell. So they've got some guys that, you know, typically Brother Rice-like shooters. They're, you know, they're in a loaded sectional. It's going to be tough, and something that I don't think has been talked about. They're one of the few schools, Mike, that could have gone to three A and stayed four A. Oh yeah. So I knew that, but all, I forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. When all these schools drop down to three A, uh, Brother Rice remained in four A. Now in their geographical area, I don't know if it made a whole heck a lot of difference. You know, you're, you're with loaded 4A sectional and they'd be in a loaded 3A sectional likely in that Morgan Park Bogan yeah. group. So but anyway, yeah, they're they're uh they're just a kind of a gritty competitive team that's really played a very quality schedule. Uh if you look at that schedule up and down. And I, you know, traditionally I Brother Rice is at Marist on Tuesday and that's always one of the best games of the year, best mm-hmm. atmospheres. I love that game, but as I mentioned earlier, Thorns at Kankakee. What do I do? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, and Maris is nine and seven. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a uh, they they, t- they beat Rita though, didn't they, Marist this week, um, which was a nice sign for them at the United Center, I believe. <clears throat> All right, next up, St. Pat's, the Shamrocks, fourteen and five this season. They have wins against Bennett. That was early in the season. Uh, Timothy Christian, who's had had a really nice year, RB, and a nice win against the St. Viator team that's competitive. And when you look at the losses, um, the five losses, there's not a, a stinker in the bunch. Fenwick, Marion Catholic, Brother Rice, Loyola, and Wheaton North. And there's a lot of experience back from last year. This is a team I ha- I've had my eye on all year in tracking, just kind of outside that kind of top 30. Yeah, and I talked, or I've watched them twice this year, and once they looked not very good, and once they looked very good. So they don't have much size. They shoot the ball well. Uh, Nick Galati and Dom Galati and, and Tamaris Brown has kind of emerged for them. So St. Patrick is, you know, they're not a team. Well, they're, 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 they're just a team that you kind of don't want to play if you get them on the right night. And they can take down somebody with that shooting. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, they're sitting at 14-5, and five and they're 3A, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and they've gotten – the last couple of years, Mike Bailey's teams have gotten much better late. It's been a um, consistent theme with you know since the star-studded one a couple of years ago. The yeah, I mean that they, they're that sectional's Notre Dame and everybody else in that Gray's Lake North sectional, but outside of Notre Dame, you look at that sectional which I'm looking at right now. I mean, Saint Viator, uh, 
Carmel. I mean, St. Pat's can make a run. Oh, and, I mean, and and there's one team Notre Dame does not want to play. Pats. That that's yeah, the huge I mean, rivalry. I mean, yeah, and that that could develop in the yeah sectional. I mean, that would be. I mean, I'm at that game usually regular season. That would be massive. <laughs> other other than yes. the fact that Notre Dame is playing St. Pat's in Gray's Lake, but <laughs> oh yeah, seriously, we'd have to move that game because that would be that would be like a must see <laughs> yeah, late sectional game. Yeah, Pats, that's Dame. a great rivalry. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. So yeah, that's that w- a, that's. I didn't think about that with Notre Dame's drop to four three uh, A. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, next up, Oswego at fifteen and three. They um, have, I mean, we're a little bit more of mixed resume than some of the other teams we've talked about. They've lost to Joliet West, Naperville Central, and Oswego East. Nothing bad there. Um, and they have the early win against DeKalb. I believe that was early, right? And, and then after that, they got a nice win at Quincy, beating Nequa Plainfield North. So they are needing some wins. Definitely need. They're lacking the high-profile win. Uh, but they played their schedule. They went out. They beat who they're supposed to beat. And then obviously lost to the three teams that you said. You know, they'll they'll play off Oswego East again. You know, they, they've got a, a real unsung player. Uh, you know, they're, they're two main guys, Jack K, uh, Shooter Jack Cahoon and uh, Connor McCants. are both scholarship kids. Uh Jack Cahoon's going to uh, Trinity assigned and Connor McCants to Northern Michigan. McCants is a six foot eight big man who's a presence defensively. Uh, Black Shas takes charges. Does really a fun player to watch just because of his his maximum effort. And then, but the unsung kid has been Kobe Adams, a real scoring wing, and um, they're going to be in the mix in that Lockport sectional for. You know, they'll be in that four, five, six seed range at Lockport. And, uh, you know, that's a good th- trio to kind of lean on and, and and build towards that 20-plus win. I think we could have had Oswego East in here, but we've talked about them a bit, right? So that doesn't yeah. really qualify, I think. Um, and were they, were, they, were they in your preseason rankings? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't Oswego think it's been at Oswego, any point, yeah. Oswego and Oswego East are both, you know, going to be in that sectional that everybody, I think, anticipates being all about Juliet West and Bolingbrook. Uh, but there'll be factors in there. Uh, next up, Richards, 13-5. and five. Um, Again, a bit of a mixed resume. They've beaten Tinley Park. Big win against Hillcrest. A Hinsdale Central win that looks a lot better with the way the Red Devils have been playing lately. Beaten both of the TFs, which are decent. And the losses are Brother Rice, DePaul Prep, St. Lawrence, Oak Forest. And they do have that Marist loss. Marist is a team that's up and down, but um, competitive. I have not seen Richards this season, but I saw them a ton last season. And I absolutely, I mean... Albert Jones and Kawan Wines were just killers as juniors, so I can imagine um, what they're doing this season. And this is a team I'm excited to see this year. And they lost arguably their best player. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Paul Zlinskis uh, transferred to Riverside Brookfield, so they're still sitting at 13 and five. And you know, for all the talk we've we've talked quite a bit about Oak Lawn. It's Richards right now, you know, in, in first place in that South Suburban Red. And you're right. Uh, Wines and Jones. I, I saw them at, at Hinsdale Central at Christmas, and you know Jones is. I think he's a more recognized name a little bit. He's physical, do it all, undersized, 
I don't even know what you call him. Um, I think he's committed just, to football just this week. Okay. Made a yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Wines, Kwan Wines is just a terrific score. Yeah. And they got a third double-figure score type in Anthony Taylor. So Richards is... Uh, oh, he's, yeah, he's the sophomore. Well, he's a junior now, but yeah, he had some really good games I saw as a sophomore last year. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they, um, you know, finish that out in that South Suburban Red. Yeah, if I had to take a team out of the ones we've talked about so far, I'd take Richards. I think <laughs> out of the bunch, but um, we'll see. Uh, next up, Hyde Park at twelve and six. Um. The losses are um, the losses are rough. Curie, Simeon, Morgan Park, Hillcrest, Corliss, and Leo. You know that was a bad loss for them. But the problem is the wins. I mean, the only kind of big win they've got is Kenwood. The Red South Central is just a meat grinder. There are teams like Kenwood is well below five hundred. I talked about them in the. They got a horrible record, and they're a pretty good team. I've seen them a couple times. It's it's grinding teams out like Lynn Bloom. I don't think they've gotten out. It, it's just well, and Brooks and Kenwood can both you know can play. Think. Yeah, it, it's tough. But this Hyde Park team, you know, um, Jalen Houston. You know, we've talked about him a bit. They've got uh, Williams. What's his first name? Uh, the other shooter for them. But yeah, this Hyde Park team, I've seen them. They can play with anybody. And with Houston, who's a twenty-plus point per game scorer, is a junior very dynamic with the ball and, and, and getting to the rim and scoring. So, uh, you know, he needs a little help, but yeah, they're a, they're a dangerous, you know, as dangerous as a 12 and 16 can be, I guess. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Um, I don't know if Zach wants me to say this on the podcast, but Zach Linderman, the coach at Lindblom, he, um, sent me an email on Wednesday. It's just a screenshot of my tweet from their Simeon game. And, you know, sometimes I'll put a quote from a coach, or from somebody at the from the gamer and his quote after losing to Simeon was we are not talking about just staying in the red we are going to win some games in the red and he sent it to me with uh, the headline this didn't age well <laughs> the, uh, so Zach's got a sense of humor <laughs> about his team and let me tell you that's a rare quality in a high school basketball coach um, well it's just it's such a that's such a brutal le- I mean Look at that. I mean, Curie, Bogan, Morgan Park, Simeon at the top. And then, yeah. Corliss has a... been ranked. Tide Park is good. Brooks is really turning it around. Um, they have Lindblom sitting at 0-8 right now. I don't know who his last game is. It must be somebody really good because Zach's <laughs> kind of already wondering about that. But, yeah, it's just uh, worse than in – tougher than in a lot of years, I'd say, even though it's usually one of our better conferences. Um, next up, uh, Crane. Not in the Red South Central. Crane is in the it's the White West. They are sixteen and three. The losses are pretty high quality. Clark, you know, another good lower division public league team. Oak Forest and St. Charles North. A really nice win against Boylan. A massive win against Orr. I believe that was at Orr. Yeah, I mean, I, this you know, Jamarius Sneed uh, saw a lot in the off season. And a little bit last year, you know, he's kind of their go-to, him and Robert Hobbs. So it's a uh, – I think Mike and I were talking before, it, it is a little bit of a unbalanced – I mean, those two guys need to kind of produce at a high level for them to um, to really compete at a high level. Um, but I, I'm trying to find out, where are they in March? Are uh, they – Two-way. I don't know if I can't even find them. But, uh, I believe. 
because they... Unless they fall into one. Uh... Just seeing... Not that I can probably talk a lot of... Two-A hoops. Two-A hoops. Are they one? They might have fallen. Okay, they're one No, here they are. They are in the uh, Marshall sectional with Clark, Marshall, or... Oh, the bot, the subsectional. Yeah, so they okay. would need to beat Orr again, and you know, good Dunbar team we talked about. So are there. they? Is it real? Is it medical prep for real? Oh, it has been for a while now. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, they changed the sign even. Um, oh yeah, so they have to play Orr or Clark. Okay. Who they've beaten? So, well, they lost to Clark, but they beat Orr. So this team could have a. There is nobody in this sectional, you know, that they couldn't theoretically. Jeez, look at that other subsectional. Yeah, it's Corliss and then some decent white division teams. No, no, I mean. Oh, the other side, yeah. Dunbar is it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Clark is another one. Yep, Clark up Um, next, 14-5. and They've beaten Yorkville, Christian, and Crane. And the losses, four good ones. And then, well, Moline, Marshall, Thornton, Bogan, and they recently lost to Perspectives. Who has some has played some good teams close, but that's a bit of a dent on their resume. I've always liked the rugged Colby Weekly. He's been been around. I think he was playing as a freshman, six three, six four, just this power packed, uh, positionless kid who just plays hard, competes, gets things done. Uh, so yeah, Clark is got a promising young big man. Um, he was there with Splunge freshman year. The yeah, Weekly. Yeah, yeah. Back then. Um, so. Last but not least, uh, Wheaton North, 10 and 6. I felt like they needed to be included because they've beaten an awful lot of teams we have on this list. Uh, Wheaton North's beaten St. Pat's, Palatine, Riverside, Brookfield, and Brother Rice. And the losses, I mean, they did lose to Wheaton Warrenville South, but we know how that goes. Rivalry game and tough style to play. But the other is Hinsdale Central, who's resurgent the last two weeks. Lake Park, who's been ranked. Bennett, who's been ranked. St. Charles North, who's been ranked. Yeah, Wheaton North is a player nobody knows. Garrett Horner, uh, you know, he's he had a great tournament at the Jack Tosh Holiday Tournament. You know, a small college kid, Division Three, but he just, you know, doesn't pass the eye test. But he's got a, you know, knock shot down ability, and, and uh, he's a bigger guard, and, and uh, he's had a terrific season for them. All right, so let's, t- let's get a look here at this week ahead. It is not a loaded week. I'll say that straight up. Um, Tuesday, as you listen to this, we've got Bogan is at Hyde Park. Curie is at Corliss, which might not excite a lot of people, but Morgan Park had a rough time there at Corliss last week. They got away with the win, but that could be an interesting game. Thornton is at Kankakee, which we talked about, and Brother Rice is at Marist, two great games. And then Joe mentioned earlier, Zion Benton is at Evanston. Um, Obviously, Evanston's undefeated, but that's not a game they're going to want to overlook at all. Wednesday, a little light. We've got Wheaton North is at St. Charles East. Westinghouse is at Farragut. And then I was really kind of scraping for some games here. Wells is at Clark. <laughs> so I, might, I might go see Clark. Wells is a team you, in the way you can always count on uh, to, like, give somebody a game. They're not going to get run over. So I appreciate that about Wells. And then Yorkville Christian is at Marmion, although I think I'm going to see Yorkville Christian Monday, so I don't need to do that. Thursday, even lighter, but it's the Battle of Vincennes. Simeon is at Morgan Park. 
on Thursday, which, gosh, can you remember a less hyped Battle of Incense game? True. Ever? Didn't even know what was happening until you said it. Yeah, I mean, that's um, usually we've been looking that was a, That was Move, though, right? Wasn't that originally in? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think it was always this last date. That's why they didn't have to move. Not now I just assume they're all moved. Yeah, all right. yeah. I, mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, not a lot of spice around that one right now. Uh, Leo is at Brooks is the other um, decent game on Thursday. Friday, also a bit light. Um, DeKalb is at Naperville Central. Is that my chance to see the barbs, Joe? My, yeah, my two, two teams that... Uh... Just we talked just about, yeah. talked about. <laughs> uh, Palatine is at Fremd. Big man Julian Campbell's been putting up some nice numbers for Palatine. Farragut is at Lincoln Park. Tinley Park is at Hillcrest. Big AJ Casey uh, moment there. HF is at Lincoln Way East. Um, and York is at Hinsdale Central. And two teams that are playing real well right now. So that should be a good one. Saturday, we have the Wednesday. One, one other one, Mike Friday, that's interest, interesting oh, yeah, to me. Evanston at Nutrier, just because Nutrier's playing better really now. playing yeah. better. Yeah, uh, and it's a rivalry game. Yeah. Uh, they'll be amped up for it. So that, that'll be a, you know, somewhat interesting leading up to Saturday's showdown. I think it's on TV, too. I think it's on the U. Um, so, yeah, I should have mentioned that one. So you can record that one wherever you head. Um, Saturday, we got Joe's shootout, the one sides collide, which starts off with Glenn Bard East and Aurora Christian, Tosh Davis and Duran Hall. <laughs> I mean, who knew I'd be so pumped for a... <laughs> 25 point per game scores going at it. One on one. Here we go. Can't beat that. So we'll be, get there early for that. And you know what? <laughs> you get there early because you can get a seat <laughs> for Bloom Evanston too. Um, I'll watch. It's a nice undercard. Um, then after the Bloom Evanston game, which we talked about, we got, the junior battle, Rolling Meadows and Fenwick, Bryce Hopkins against Max Christie and Cam Christie. Two teams that kind of can use a nice win right now, too. Yeah, and it's an opportunity, you know, to play in a big big game, you know, get some exposure. You know, Rolling Meadows is still young. Well, actually, they're both young. Uh, both yeah, these teams are yeah. very young. Both these teams have everybody back pretty much next year. So, obviously, Christie and Hopkins are the – the names, I mean, they're literally two of the best players in the country, you know, in their classes, and obviously one and two in Illinois. That will be excellent. And then the the, the nightcap, the headline game, Simeon against Notre Dame. You know, Simeon has receded a bit from the headlines, I guess, recently. They they did jump back into the rankings at 25. I'm not, I'm not sure if they'll stick. I think they will. But I think quietly things have improved a bit. Uh, they did take care of Hillcrest nicely, and we saw what Hillcrest did to did with Evanston's. You know, they were playing well. They also had a they really dominated Corliss during the week, Simeon, and that's a team you know, I mentioned Morgan Park had some trouble with. So some signs of life there from Simeon. Jeremiah Williams has been a little bit more aggressive, and Notre Dame. I mean, I don't think we need to say what kind of an amazing season they're having. Yeah, but but what's interesting though is we haven't really talked a ton of Notre Dame since they beat Bogan. Yeah, they've won twelve in a row. Since Bogan win, you know, and they in that in that run they beat Fenwick and Glenbrook South, uh, very good. And now they, by the time you're listening to this, they will have played Morgan Park on Monday, and then Simeon coming up this Saturday. So a big week for a Notre Dame team that is clearly emerged as as a legit, I don't know, three A favorite. I mean, I mean are. are 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Three A favorite. Mean, I was just thinking about like my number one with that. Those kind of games, they could make a, they could be number one in a week if uh, you know Curie goes down. Well, Evanston never loses. Yeah, if or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if Bloom. they got Bloom? Yeah. So what if Bloom? Well, yeah, if if uh, Bloom beats if Evan. Bloom beats Evanston. Evanston and Notre Dame beats Simeon, you you could have a tough time with your rankings That's a week from today. Oh boy. Um, also on Saturday, the night of hoops over at Batavia. And then we got Lions, Glenbard West. Lions has been playing well lately. They're a team we could have included, I think, on that last one. Their record's not quite there yet, but keep an eye on Lions. And, and it's Nate Niego, or Grant Niego. Jeez, yep. Grant, yeah. Um, we think Young is playing at Vashon. Jack has it on the schedule, but it seems odd. And uh, Hinsdale Central, Hinsdale South, always a fun rivalry. And uh, with Hinsdale Central playing well, that should be a good one on Saturday. That'll do it for us for this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will be back next week.